The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. We're coming to you this morning from the Galmat Hotel, nestled between Lochathoyle and Air Square in the city of the tribes. Lots to talk about this particular city, but uh, loads more in the programme too, which is... Uh, Unrelated, except in a general way to Galway City. But first of all, I want to welcome uh, to the Dublin studio, I'm in Galway, lucky me, to the Dublin studio, the Minister for Public Expenditure, Pascal Donoghue. Minister, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Pat. Now, uh, I wanted to talk to you about many things, but I suppose, first of all, we should uh, touch on that controversy about the €1,000 tax break, which seemed to, in the Ireland Thinks poll, leave most voters pretty unimpressed. Where do you stand on that particular issue? Well, it's always been a focus of Fine Gael uh, to uh, do what we can to put money back in the pockets of people, particularly at a time of high inflation when we can see the cost of so much going up. Uh, We've been able to do that in recent budgets, uh, despite the many challenges the country has faced. And uh, I'll work closely with Minister McGrath and with the party leaders now uh, to see how we can further make progress that in Budget 2024. Uh, I do believe at so a time in which... You're not against it. it, that's the point. Uh, you know, because uh, you, you were the one who was characterised as being the careful one who didn't want to be uh, splashing money around. Uh, but you're in favour of it broadly. Well, at each budget that I've done, uh, I have brought in tax reductions and changes that have had the aim of putting money back in the pockets of people. Uh, it is a decision for Minister McGrath, who's the Minister for Finance, and then collectively for the government as a whole, regarding what is the scale of what we do in Budget 2024. Uh, but what we'll all work to do is to come up with a budget that does the right thing by our public finances, by our country and by our society, and can make progress on the different priorities that are there. So very specifically, what I do favour is the approach that I've been able to do in all the different budgets that I've been involved in, which is to help with the pressure that people do feel in their purses and wallets, but not to do it in such a way that creates further risks or problems for us down the track. In other words, anything that uh, you give out would mimic what uh, has happened during the energy price crisis because of the Ukraine war. You might give, um, you know, dollops of cash occasionally, but nothing that will be recurring. Is that a a fair assessment of your approach? Well, I think we'll have to look at what the mix will be as part of preparing for the budget. And we've many, many months of engagement and work to do. What we have seen is a combination of one-off measures combined with recurring measures uh, can be of great help to people uh, and to our country, to our society at a time in which, as I said, prices continue to rise. But we just need to look at what is the balance uh, that is also appropriate at a time in which we're beginning to see some signs that inflation is coming down. Um, And as I said at the start of the interview, each different political party, including my own, will have our different views in relation to this. Uh, The stability and the cohesion of the government will be maintained. And I'll work closely with Minister McGrath in preparing the budget. And the next staging post and all of that now will be laying out what we think should be the size of the budget, which we'll do in an economic statement before the doll rises. However, people were pretty unimpressed by the promise of or, or the, the prospect of a thousand uh, euro. And when you think the average industrial wage is probably somewhere in the mid 40,000s now, uh, an extra thousand, you know, less than a hundred euro a month against that background. I mean, they'll take it, 
But they won't say thank you very much. That's the truth of it. But we at the same time have the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council uh, releasing one of their key publications in the year. And that is in an organisation that's independent of the government, uh, whose job it is uh, to issue an evaluation regarding our public finances and how budget decisions could impact on their safety. And they are uh, urging the government also to take care that we don't make decisions in relation to taxation and to spending that could, uh, over time, create new risks for our country and for our economy. So I, I do really appreciate uh, that at a time in which uh, uh, so much is more expensive than it was a year ago, talk of what we might do in the future may have limited value. Uh, but what, what we will do uh, in the months that lie ahead is come up with a budget overall that I believe can help and will make a difference, but would also maintain a steady approach to how we've ran and looked after our public finances and our country's economy. Because ultimately, uh, having a job, being able to avoid uh, austerity at some point in the future, uh, I also believe is just so important for our country and so important for uh, our living standards and being able to build more homes and look after our society in the time ahead. It's been said by members of government that money is not the problem with building houses. There are many uh, problems. The planning system is certainly one. Uh, the capacity within the industry is certainly another. But the government would appear to be sort of in the doldrums about many of the things that actually need to be done. I would respectfully differ from you on that path. If you just look at the issue of housing alone, uh, last year we built just under 30,000 homes, uh, despite it being a very difficult environment within which to build more homes in the aftermath of our construction sector being closed during the pandemic. And if I look at 2023, uh, I'm confident that we will build the same, if not more homes for this year, and that we will continue to make progress there. So in the issue of housing alone, uh, while I know the country urgently and strongly wants to see more homes being built quickly, uh, we are seeing our housing output go up month by month. Uh, and then if I look at, for example, the area of employment, uh, you know, having a job is the foundation uh, to uh, all of uh, uh, our country's economy growing, but also the foundation to our own economic security and prospects as individuals. We've never had more people at work in Ireland than we do today. We have an economy that is growing and the economy and all of those things, the government is fundamental to those decisions. So I, now, of course, the, the accept we always need to do more, uh, but wouldn't yeah. respectfully Indeed. accept the characterisation of being the in the doldrums. Has the, the country got the ability, the capacity to do more? For example, we have loads of people coming into work here. We have also, as we know, uh, asylum seekers and, and refugees. We need, need more of lots of things. We need more hospital beds, for instance. We probably need more hospitals. But based on the experience of the National Paediatric Hospital, and we're not even being told by the secretary of the department exactly what the final bill will be even though, though he professes to know it and i understand there might be commercial sensitivities about negotiations we need all of these things but can we trust a government any government to mind our money 
in the construction of these projects? Yes, you can. Uh, on the other hand, you could look at the construction of a new uh, 100-bed extension in the Matra Hospital uh, in Eccles Street uh, that was delivered on budget. Uh, you could look at the National Broadband Plan, a very expensive project, but we're really seeing the value of it when more people want to work at home. Uh, that is a project that, while it is expensive, will be delivered inside the budget parameters that we set for us. We have uh, social and public housing that we're building uh, on time, delivering our targets and broadly within budget across the country. Uh, So I fully accept that with regard to the building of the National Children's Hospital, uh, there were decisions in relation to uh, the cost of that project that we should have done in a different way. And I've acknowledged that on many occasions. But that shouldn't overshadow, I'd make the case here this morning, the fact that there are many other projects in higher and further education, in the building of schools, in which even though the costs are going up due to inflation, uh, we are still delivering those projects. Uh, The question of what to do with all of uh, the money that will be coming our way through corporation tax, uh, the unexpected monies, and you are at pains all the time to say these are not permanent monies. We don't know when international uh, economic factors may turn the tap off, but there will be uh, a lot of money around for a short number of years at least. So put some of it in the rainy day fund and so on and so forth and address some of the infrastructural deficits. But there is a call to do something that would give us a permanent advantage. Now, the projects are as varied as let the government get involved commercially in offshore wind, for example. Be a leader, not a follower. Uh, Don't depend on uh, independent commercial monies to get this thing going. That might be one area, uh, just mimicking what the Norwegians did with their oil and the sovereign wealth fund they created, making each citizen of that country very wealthy. That would be one project. Uh, Given the appalling state of traffic in our capital, um, a metro delivered quickly, um, might be another way to spend the money and you could look back, look back on your time and said, yeah, and say, we did that. We built that metro or we created that magnificent wind uh, energy resource off the West Coast. Is there no big idea in government at all? There are many big ideas, but there are big ideas that have already been implemented. I mean, for me, your question about looking forward to do big things is, of course, critical for making the case for government. But if you look at this government at the moment, I would, for example, look at the Grange Gorman campus and the Technological University Dublin as an example of a huge transformative public transport public transport and public education project that we have delivered. Uh, I would look at the new public and social housing that has been opened every day of the week all over the country as an example of how when our economic conditions improved and our public finances improved, we increased our public capital investment from around €4 billion per year to over €12 billion for this year. So it's not just a case of what we want to do in the future. I think it's making a case for what we've been able to do recently. But as for the future, of course, uh, there are new ideas and new plans that we will have to consider. But again, what what we'll need to do here is just do it in such a way uh, that doesn't create further risks or further difficulties tomorrow. So our public debt is still very high. It's at over €220 billion. The reason why we were able to deal with all of the costs of the pandemic is because our public finances were, were safe and were perceived to be safe. And we'll need to get 
that balance rise again, which myself and Minister McGrath and the party leaders will, I believe, be able to do in the months ahead between looking at are there areas in which further investment is needed that can make a big difference? And there are. uh, But also, how can we have uh, public debt that is falling? How can we set money aside so that when we get hit by God forbid another pandemic or the effects of a war continuing, uh, that we are able to deal with those costs as well. Now, looking at the Ireland Thinks poll, um, Fianna Foyle and Fianna Gael together, 39%, uh, the Greens of 3%, uh, Sinn Féin on their own are 32%. Um, these polls keep on replicating themselves. You know, you can't dismiss them as one-offs. Are you despondent about where your party particularly lies in those polls? Uh, No, I'm not. Uh, I believe that this government, uh, uh, if uh, it puts the case to the uh, country, uh, when an election happens, which is still a long way away, um, I believe uh, not only can uh, Fine Gael increase the number of seats it has in the next uh, Doyle, but I also believe the government will be able to do so as well. Uh, We have an election in terms of the general election that is still some way away. Uh, Most of the polls have shown that my party is doing better uh, than uh, it did in the general election of 2020. And most of the polls show the combined support of the government, you know, at reasonable levels, uh, given the many challenges that our country has faced over the last number of years. But uh, I'd have to say planning for the next general election and uh, for our performance in the next Doyle um, is is still some way away uh, because this government has a long time in its current mandate to serve and we've an awful lot that we want to do between now and having to make the case for our re-election at some point before early 2025. Now, the question of what uh, people want government, whoever might be in power to do, um, abolishing the USC, which was a promise of your party at one point, um, 70% of the people want that to happen. Why will it not happen if tax revenues are uh, pretty strong, uh, however temporary some of them are? Uh, The USC was a temporary tax to get us out of a hole. We're out of that hole now. So um, why not do away with it? So I never said the universal social charge was a temporary tax and the USC, when it was introduced, uh, much of it consisted of integrating taxes that up to that point were permanent, uh, such as the health levy. Uh, The reason why I would take great care with any such decision like that is because so much of the tax that we are now collecting in the time ahead, particularly on corporate tax, we believe with good cause Uh, could also decline or go away. So the Department of Finance have evaluated that around 11 billion euro of the corporate tax that we are collecting um, is temporary, is related to the very high level of corporate profitability that exists within the global economy at the moment. And Pat, the very last thing I would ever want to see happen to our country, and I never want to be involved in such a decision myself, is to remove a tax when times are good, but then have to bring it back when times get hard. Uh, because we've done that before and we bore the social, political and economic cost of that uh, uh, for over a decade and arguably still are today. Uh, So that is why, while it will be possible uh, to look at how we can put money back in the pockets of people, I believe we will be able to do it. 
we also at the same time need to do so and continue to do so as we have in recent years in a way that is ultimately careful and avoids us having to bring in new taxes tomorrow uh, to deal with tax deductions that we might make before then. Now, the chairperson of the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council, Sebastian Barnes, was on News Talk Breakfast earlier, and Kira Kelly asked him if he'd any advice for you on fiscal policy, and this is what he had to say. Well, doesn't seem to be there. Uh, so I haven't a clue because I didn't hear it, uh, exactly what he had to say, but perhaps we can get that up in a moment. But I do want to talk to you about something else, and that is uh, the Ireland Thinks poll and what people think about are we taking in too many refugees and the consensus seems to be across every party that yes, we are. Now, every time we put it to the government that our processing, our vetting, uh, our procedures are not particularly good and we're a soft touch, uh, the government representatives inevitably reply, we have international obligations and we've got to do this, that and the other. And yet people are scandalized by some of the things that they see. Is it not possible for the government to have a, a fair and speedy process that uh, separates the, 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 those who are chancing their arm from those who are genuinely in need. Because uh, governments don't seem to accept that anybody comes here to scam the system. Uh, and I believe we do have such a system in place. We have had to improve it in recent months, and we have done that. Uh, we have a rules-based system uh, that is being implemented where if you're in our country uh, to meet the international obligations that we have, uh, we do our very best to look after you. And for those people who do come uh, in a way that isn't consistent with those international obligations and are looking to come here in a way that's unfair or illegal, uh, they're either not allowed in or they are returned home. Uh, but I have to say my experience of this topic... But people come with no papers and, and there's no way, it seems, short of a DNA test, it's no, there's no way of finding out who they are, what their background is, whether or not they're fleeing from uh, maybe police in their own country or whether they're fleeing from genuine harm. And, and we do have a, a, a number of cases like that that we do need to deal with on a regular basis, Pat. That is the truth. Uh, when we have an open economy and an open society, the vast majority of people who come to our country come here for really legitimate reasons. A small number look to take advantage of that and they are dealt with as efficiently as we can. But my, my sense of this as an issue is, of course, informed by the understandable uh, concerns that people may have regarding are too many coming to our country and what does that mean for our fu the future of our public services? That is, of course, a concern that I understand. But on the other hand, uh, I have been in City West uh, to meet people who are coming to our country, who are fleeing persecution, who are fleeing the war. I have visited many of the facilities uh, that are located within Dublin in which we are providing temporary accommodation. And I must say, when I see people coming to our country and the conditions in which they travel, the conditions which they are trying to leave behind them, you know, I, I have nothing but the greatest of empathy towards those uh, people who are yeah, coming but, but and Minister, a deep sense on the and a deep sense. People, and not, not just if I just finish this part off really quickly, yeah. but I just make this point that it's not just we have an obligation to them because of the international treaties that we're part of. We have an obligation to them because the overwhelming majority of people who come into our country claiming refuge are doing so in conditions that many of us would find nearly unimaginable. And we do have a commitment to do what we can 
which we are doing our very best to do as a society and as a government to respond back to that need. We've had reports on the programme, people not in particular difficulties, just coming from north of the border, having come through the UK uh, to here. And the extraordinary thing that gets on people's um, goats about all of this is that so many of these are fit young men, um, single young men. Where are their families? Where are their women? Where are their their children? Um, You know, why are they all fetching up here? And then they are put together in accommodation where they're virtually all of the same sort of demographic, which is not a healthy way to to house any crowd of people. Yes, and uh, what we have to do is, uh, for those who are coming to our country for all the reasons I've just outlined, do our best to be supportive of them, to look after them, to treat them with the kindness and empathy, which I believe comes naturally to our country. And for the really small number of people who are not doing that, to act firmly in accordance with the law. Uh, But I do think it's important to make the case that for uh, the uh, issues that you're raising regarding single men who are coming here, many of them could also be leaving behind them circumstances that are so severe and traumatic. And I've talked to... Uh, those who are coming to our country in the way you've just described. And many of them are fleeing uh, conditions of conflict where they're worried about their safety, they're worried about what will happen to them if they stay in the country that used to be their home. And not just under under international law do we have obligations there, but I think we also do have empathies, con- uh, obligations that I'd make the case for on an ethical basis, on the basis of our shared humanity, for those who are coming here in that kind of a state. But you're, 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 you're actually saying exactly what every government representative says. We have international obligations. We appear to want to be the best boy in the class always in these matters. And there is a, an impression, whether it's right or wrong, there is an impression that we're a soft touch and we're being scammed. Maybe not by many people, but we are being scammed. Actually, Pat, I didn't say either of those two things. Uh, I acknowledged we have international no, obligations. I didn't say you did. I said the impression abroad well, is, uh, in, in among the population generally, you saw the, the Ireland Thinks poll, that uh, most people do n- think that we're taking in too many uh, asylum seekers and refugees. Most people think that. And th- the government seems to be tone deaf, uh, at least to investigate, discuss uh, all of this, instead of saying we have international obligations and we must uh, adhere to these, even though other countries maybe take a more uh, inquisitorial view of the situation. So let me just uh, again repeat what I what, what I said there, because uh, I just want to acknowledge that we do have, in, have international obligations under law. But actually what I went on to say is having been in centres in which we are, uh, I've seen people arrive through from our airports and ports, even in addition to the international obligations that we have, uh, once you see the conditions that people are travelling in and the conditions that they're seeking to put behind them and move on from their lives from, uh, I do believe we have other obligations that are based in the commitments that I believe we have to other humans and how we want to treat people. I'm not toned up because... I have had exactly the same uh, issues that you've referred to, even within my own constituency, where I've seen concerns regarding centres that are being opened, regarding how and where people will be living. 
and we're deeply conscious of that as a government. It is why we are implementing our law at ports and at airports. And it's also why the number of people that have been coming to Ireland in recent months has begun to fall. Pascal Dunhu, Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, thank you very much for joining us on the programme. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.